Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Gabriel Hamill. Thanks for being on the show, Gabriel. Hey, thanks, Whitney. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Now, a little about Gabriel. He's a real estate investor whose passion for real estate, business, and financial freedom has helped him to amass a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio consisting of single-family homes, multi-family apartments, commercial real estate, and mobile home parks. From humble beginnings, a book on real estate, and a strong desire for financial freedom, he set out to find creative ways to start purchasing income-producing investment real estate. He's a strong advocate of financial literacy through self-education. Gabriel, thank you again for your time and being willing to share your expertise with the listeners and myself. But give us a little more about what you're up to, your focus, and then you know, I'd love to dive into just your focus on this financial freedom. Yeah, absolutely. So gosh, let's see, we can go back to, let's say 2002. I, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the first time. And it just opened my mind to some other possibilities. Academia, college was definitely not on the forefront of what I wanted to do. And it didn't, didn't make sense for me. And so after reading that, I just, I got set on, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build some wealth and create some financial freedom through investing in real estate. And shortly after that, I was deployed to Iraq in 03 and 04. And so oftentimes over there, I thought about you know, the lessons I learned in that book and came back, bought my first, I came back in 04, got out of the military in 05, bought my first house in 05. And that was kind of the start of it. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Yeah. I was in Iraq all of 05. We just passed each other, I think. Oh, okay. What branch were you? Army. Army. Okay. And you? I was also Army. I, I had joined the Army National Guard in an infantry unit in 99 and I got a call in 03 and five days later I was gone. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you again for your service. So you came home, tell me what you bought in 05, and then let's kind of quickly go through the progression to, you know, scaling and, and what you did to gain your this financial freedom. Yeah, it was an interesting progression. So 2005, I go to the bank with really no money or a job. And this is during the subprime and the bank said, we'll give you a loan. It was a no money down loan. I rented out two of the bedrooms. It was a three bedroom house. I rented out two of the bedrooms and lived for less than I could have lived anywhere else. 2006, I opened up a small nutrition store with a friend of mine and went back to the bank in 06. They gave me another no money down loan. And I'm thinking this is like, this is too easy. No money down. Banks are saying yes. And there's not a lot of paperwork. And I do the same thing in 07. That time they wanted 5% down, which still seemed pretty reasonable. I'm thinking this is easier than the books. This is, I'm just going to keep doing this once a year. 2008 rolls around. I, I shut my store down because it wasn't making any money. My first son was born and I started working some odd and end jobs, really minimum wage type jobs. And I went back to the bank and said, hey, I want to do this again. And they said, slow down. Guidelines have changed a lot. Uh, you actually need a down payment. They told me I needed 30%. I had been spoiled with no money down loans. I didn't have 30%. And they also said, you need years worth of income and tax returns and showing that you can qualify for a loan. So guidelines changed a lot from, say, 2005 to 2008. And I wasn't going to let that stop what I wanted to do. So I did take, I continued to take on some, some odd and end jobs. And in 2009, I bought my first two duplexes side by side, four units, and that was with seller financing. And I quickly realized just 
the advantages and power and, and the win-win scenario for the buyer and the seller using seller financing. The cash flow from those four units replaced the income I was making at my job. Now, I wasn't making a lot, so it was a very obtainable, achievable goal to say, I will replace this income and then find some properties to do that. You know, I spent countless hours and every night on Craigslist searching properties, knocking on doors, making phone calls, hundreds of conversations, uh, hundreds of relationships, and eventually found the four units that was able to replace my income and create a really nice seller financing tool right there. Nice. Wow. So tell me now where you've came since 2009, kind of to where, what your focus is now. From 2009 all the way into say 2012, even into 13, I really continued to focus on seller financing. And so I did almost all no money down loans. I found sellers that understood the advantage of carrying the financing. And so these were properties that a lot of times were poorly managed, under-rented, had some deferred maintenance. And the sellers were just tired. They were, they were tired landlords, great people. Most of the time, they had owned the asset for 30 plus years. So they had already depreciated the value from a tax standpoint. They didn't have a loan, so they, they didn't have the interest write-off. And a lot of times, they were busy running their own separate business or a different job. And the real estate was, was a part-time thing. And so they were just burnt out. They were landlord, they were maintenance person, they were handling turnovers and repairs and all that. And so I was able to just create a scenario for these sellers. So I did that all the way up through 2013. 2014, I refinanced a bunch of the seller financing deals and then continued to continue to buy. Nice. So is that still what your focus is today? Yeah, I, I really don't use any traditional financing whatsoever other than on refinances. Those first couple properties, I don't know if you could consider those traditional financing being the subprime, but I do, I do like to buy with seller financing and then later convert to longer term fixed financing. Although sometimes the sellers, I do have sellers that will finance a deal sometimes 15 to 30 years depending on what their needs are. And that's, that's really a lot of it is really listening to what the sellers want and seeing if I can structure a deal that gives them as much as they possibly want and still make the, the deal work for me. And so I love the creativity of, of seller financing. It's different than the bank telling you, hey, here's the terms, here's the down payment, here's the interest rate. Seller financing really is as creative as you and the seller can get. Love that. It's creative as as you and the seller can get. And you know, and obviously this is the real estate syndication show. Seller financing is so seems almost opposite, right? Of syndicating a deal. However, I love bringing somebody like yourself that's an expert in that. So like it helps open our mind a little bit to other options, right? And even just even understanding the value for a seller to seller finance can really helps our just our lingo and the way we, you know, understand the benefits of a seller, seller financing for a seller and being able to talk through that. So we don't close that option off. And so I'd love to dive in a little bit to those benefits and, and us learning that conversation a little bit and and understanding how to present that so it is a good option for the seller. Yeah, absolutely. Initially, initially after I'd done a couple deals, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. I need to go educate all these sellers on why they should carry financing. But after some reflection, I realized that every seller that carried financing, they already wanted to carry financing. I've never had to talk a seller into it. I've never had to educate or convince a seller. Now, not saying that you couldn't, Every seller who's carried financing for me, they're typically men and women in their 60s and 70s. They generally have multiple properties. They've been landlords. So they've built a significant amount of wealth through real estate. And then the reasons that they want to carry is they don't want to pay a huge capital gain up front. They don't want 
that you pay them off, you pay cash for the property or go get a loan and they get a lump sum of cash. Now all of a sudden they're getting hit with a big capital gain right, right at one time. The sellers that want to do this, they're after income. And so you've created this new level of passivity for them where without them being landlord, they still get a monthly payment. They get a check every month. Say you were to pay them off. Now they're left with a money problem of, hey, not only are they hit with that tax, but now they have to put that money somewhere. And, you know, at 60, 70 years old, a lot of times they're, they're not going to want to put their money in the stock market. They're not wanting to go out and actively invest because now they're having to look for deals and, and manage property again. So it really creates this perfect scenario where you're giving them a level of passivity and security that's backed by a property, backed by an asset they're already comfortable with. And it's just a true win-win. It really comes down to relationships. I, as I said before, a lot of these sellers have multiple properties. And so you show them that you're trustworthy and you do what you say. It's amazing how many times sellers will come back and say, hey, I'd love to sell you another property. And it takes away the competition of having it on the open market. How are you finding those sellers? My best seller financing deals are true. It's just true, genuine word of mouth, building relationships, telling people what I'm looking for. I've never done any kind of mailers or mass marketing or advertising at all. I used to think, and up until recently, that I, at some point to scale, I would have to start marketing, and I, and I really haven't. I mean, the best deals have been off-market off market deals through relationships and networking. And that's, that's not only with agents and brokers, but that's just telling people, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Early on, there was a specific neighborhood, and I was into small multifamily. And so I told people, hey, I'm looking for small multifamily in this neighborhood. Now I've moved and my focus is value add mobile home parks. And so I have a lot of those conversations and it's amazing how many people say, oh, hey, I have a park that's coming up for sale or I know someone's selling a park. Are you interested? It's just genuine organic uh, relationships. Is it only markets that's close to you or local or is it anywhere? The majority of my stuff is within 15 minutes of where I live. And my mobile home parks are about 30 minutes and an hour away. And I never planned on just investing here. But going back to just relationships and then also knowing the market, I know the sub-markets really well. So I know not only, hey, here's a desirable town, but here's the areas that people want to live. And I think that's really important to know the sub-markets within the market. Tell me about how the sellers protect it. Do they have a lien on the property? How does that work a little bit? Yeah, they take a first position lien most times, just, just as if a bank would. And so rather than going to Wells Fargo and getting a bank loan and Wells Fargo having the first lien position, these sellers are taking a first lien position. And so if you were to default, never have, never planned to, but they have security in the property. And in, in most cases, you're improving the property, getting better tenants in there, getting better rents. And so if you were to default, they're getting a property back that they've already owned in better condition than they had it previously. Nice. And I know it's something you are passionate about, like building financial freedom. And you talked about just time freedom as well. And I love that. Just owning your time. And I'd love to get into that a little bit if you could elaborate. Yeah, really. You know, it was kind of a process. So I was really focused on the financial freedom aspect. And as I started buying properties and the first several years I'm managing my own properties, I'm realizing like, hey, it's, it's a lot of work. And I enjoy putting deals together. I enjoy that process, the creativity of coming up with a deal structure that works. I like analyzing deals, but I didn't like managing properties. At the same time, I had a friend that was starting a property management company. So I started building up enough units where the thought was, do I want to create a property management company or do I want to hire out? And I'm running the numbers, but then I'm also looking, what's my return on time? And I'm seeing this friend of mine having to deal with, with tenants and having to deal even more so with employees and kind of building this up. And he really created this job for himself. And so 
I realized, why do I want financial freedom? Why is it that I, that I want that? And I realized it wasn't so much about the money. It was more about my freedom of time. I want to be able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And that was really important to me. And so when I, when I started making decisions around that, I just naturally went to, okay, how does this affect my time? My family is important to me. How does it affect my time with my family? How does it affect my time on my health? How does it affect my time if I want to travel? All these different things that are important to me outside of financial freedom. And so not starting my own property management company. I've never had employees. I don't want employees. That was a real big reason why I chose not to start property management. And just as I go into a decision with any business related deal or really just anything in my life, I go right to, hey, how will this affect my time with the things that are most important to me? Love that. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we're all doing it ultimately, I think, for more time with the family or something that's, uh, you know, very important to us. But, you know, in the moment, we can get caught up with thinking we're going to self-manage to save some money or whatever, not realizing that, oh, man, the, t- the time commitment involved with that. Yep. And you, and you nailed it right there. And I started getting in conversations with people. And a lot of it was around financial freedom. But as I dug into these conversations, and, and I was listening to people speak, I realized none of them were like, I did this because I want a big pile of money. I want to swim in a pile of money. It was always something different. Like I want to be able to contribute to the community. I want to be able to travel. I want to spend time with my family. If my elderly parents got sick, it was all these other reasons that people wanted financial freedom. And you didn't have to dig very deep to realize that. I think it is easy to get caught up in creating something in a business where, sure, maybe you're bringing in a lot of money, but not considering how does it affect your time or does this actually allow and give you the thing or the things that it is that you wanted initially? The whole reason that you started building this business or creating financial freedom. And I think it's just important to reflect back and, and make sure it does align with those, those reasons that you started it in the first place. Where's your business going from here? I want to continue to continue to scale. Like I said, right now I'm focused on mobile home parks. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And there's a lot of sellers that are interested in carrying financing. I've noticed as I've moved to some larger properties and into the mobile home space, mobile home park space, and also into multifamily, you're dealing with a little bit more sophisticated investors. And so they really understand the advantage of carrying financing. So it's, it's just a conversation of, hey, what will work for both parties? So why not buy them out or syndicate from the beginning? A lot of the reason that I chose not to syndicate, which, which a lot of times that is the natural and next path. I know this is a syndication show. I don't mean to offend by, by any means, but for me personally, it was, again, going back to how will that affect my time? How much time will I spend on raising capital? And then I have this obligation of other people's money. That's a big responsibility, time and energy, as you know. And so I considered it for quite a long time. That felt like the natural progression of, hey, I've built up enough assets. And I have on a small scale partnered with a couple people more recently, a couple years ago, but I've just chose not to syndicate for that reason. I, I think it would take up more time than I would want to do. It is a syndication show, but I love hearing why people don't want to syndicate as well. And I want the listeners to hear that and have options just like seller financing and syndication is not the only way, but uh, so I love hearing, you know, how other people are doing it too. Everyone's different. I have friends and acquaintances that, that syndicate and, and they love it. They love the process. They love having a team, you know, and some people just love the grind. I mean, I, I've met people that are been financially free for years and they're going to work 15 hours every day, whether they're financially free or not. And they love that. That's just not me. And so I think it's just part of just being, being self-aware of who you are and what you enjoy doing. I definitely have friends that syndicate and they love the process. They absolutely love it. So Gabriel, what's been the hardest part of this process for you or you know, gaining financial freedom in real estate? It's been interesting because I, I was able to build financial freedom pretty quick. 
So when I stopped working, I had a level of financial freedom, but I was far from wealthy at the time. And so I lived very frugally for like a good decade where it was, I was putting everything, everything back into properties. I didn't, I didn't own a new pair of shoes. I didn't have a new jacket. I mean, it was very focused on going back into the deal. And that was, and that was out of necessity. And so some of the challenges, Hey, I need to make sure that I'm still staying true to those principles, but also it's important to enjoy life and, and make sure that I'm also benefiting and helping others and creating a life for my family that is fun and exciting and the whole purpose that I, that I built this in the first place. And so there's always that balance of, yes, I want to go do amazing things. I also, it's important to make good financial decisions. How are you prepared for this potential downturn that everyone's talking about? I get asked a lot, all the time, like, you know, is the market, do you think the market's going up or down? I don't care if the market goes up and down. And so the market will go down. It will go up and it, it'll probably go up and down multiple times in my lifetime. I started buying in a peak market and I bought in a down market. I think it's always a good time to buy if you buy, if you buy right. I don't speculate on properties in the sense of any deal I ever structure, it has to cash flow from the beginning. And so I don't care if my properties go up and down and up and down in value on paper as long as they stay cash flow positive. And so the last downturn, I spent a lot of time buying. And so I'm prepared to do that again. The people that I've met that lost a lot of money in you know, the last recession, it was on speculation. They were buying based on this property has to rent for more or this property has to be worth more. And a lot of people got away with that and, until they didn't. And so, yeah, I, I do speculate in the sense that I, I buy properties in areas that I know can go, there's demand and their rent should be much higher and their desirable areas. And I think I can add a lot of value to that property and maybe refinance out of the higher amount. But I never put myself in a position where I have to make that happen for the deal to work. It has to pencil out from day one and all the upside I look at as a bonus. What's a way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Gosh, recently improved my business. I don't know. That's a tough one. A lot of, a lot of the stuff that's in place today are, are decisions I made a long time ago with property management or just automating different things. Yeah. I don't know if I've had any great new... It's all right. Uh, you got some yeah. good systems. So tell me the one thing that's contributed to your success. I think desire and execution. I mean, just, I, I think... Um, not just me, but with, with anyone. I mean, I, I wanted it really badly in my mind. I wanted to create financial freedom. I wanted to do it through real estate. I believed I could. And I encourage others. Like I want people to know it's not just the initial excitement and desire and dream of wanting it. Because I think we all, we all kind of get that. But you have to execute. You have to. I mean, yeah, there are hard times. And there was difficult tenants when I was self-managing years ago. And there's all these what ifs could, you know, all this what ifs could happen. But but ultimately, if you don't execute on that desire, nothing's going to happen. It's just mm. that, that desire and motivation is just going to fizzle out. And it's, it's important to take action on those, those things you really want. And how do you like to give back? Yeah. So most lately, I do a lot of 30-minute video calls with people who've reached out. So it's part of the reason I do the podcasts. I've been on a lot of podcasts recently, and I, I really enjoy it. So the podcasts are a way to give back. But I've had a lot of people reach out wanting some level of real estate coaching and I've chose not to build a business around it, but I have done 50 plus calls, video calls with people who've reached out that want specific advice. And so I feel like that's where I can contribute the best with just give information, Q&A, basically Q&A for 30 minutes on a video call. 
Awesome. Thank you for giving back in that way, uh, Gabriel. Thank you for your time today and sharing with listeners and myself and really helping open our minds a little bit to benefits of seller financing. And that is an option. You know, we don't have to syndicate every deal or we don't have to go into it thinking that is the only way and just helping us to really see that this could be a, a real good option for us and potentially a better option for some of the sellers. Thank you again. And tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and potentially have that 30 minute call. Sure. Yeah. The best way to get in touch with me is through Instagram. Give Gabriel R. Hamill, or if you just search Gabriel Hamill, H-A-M-E-L, you'll find me. My website's hamillinvestments.com and my email's gabriel at hamillinvestments.com. Awesome, Gabriel. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.